Right, we have a, um, uh, a video now from someone who we know in this church, Ruth Kirabo, uh, my child Uganda, um, and she's prepared a special Christmas message. Um, and um, after the video, we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit more about how you can get involved. But I'll let uh, I'll let the video tell you all about it. We wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. No, this is not a Christmas message, but rather Christmas appeal. Do you remember COVID? In COVID, we gave up food to a lot of families. And you know what? We've never had such big testimonies. People are being saved. People's families were being touched. Some people were coming to the Lord. And we had the thought, what can we do for Christmas? It's a time of giving, right? So this is it. Do you know that 22 pounds could feed a family of about six to seven people for three weeks? 22 pounds. So we're giving you an opportunity to give a gift this Christmas to an African family. Will you join us and give £22 for family? And all this money is going to be collected and we're going to buy food, so much different food, and we're going to be able to give it to different families. I hope you're enjoying this fantastic view that I've given you. Thank you for always partnering with us. And may God bless you. So Ruth is, is asking for donations of £22, which will feed a family um, at Christmas time. So um, Ruth, our Ruth, is um, going to set up on the chit chat page of the church WhatsApp. She'll send a link to the fundraising um, site where you can make your donation if you want to do that. So we're not going to do it through the church formally, but you know, you're up, it's up to you guys individually to, to donate if you want to. And the link will be in the WhatsApp group. Um, Patrick could put it on the website as well. I think that's okay. Yeah, for people that aren't on the church WhatsApp group. And we'll put the link to the fundraising page on, on that as well. Okay. Thank you. I'm going to ask Angie to come and read and then Mogs is going to come and, and preach to us. I'm just going to pray for them both before they come up. Father God, thank you for Angie and Mogs and, and their faithful service. And we just ask, Lord, that you would bless them as they minister to us now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Simply good to see you again. Israel, we're in a bad place. So what's new? Then our story begins. I'm going to read you the start of the story. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, Mighty soldier, the Lord is with you. For one day, the angel came and sat beneath an oak tree at Ophrah on the farm of Joaz. Near Bissarab, Joaz and Joaz's son Gideon had been threshing wheat there by hand in the bottom of a grape press, the pit where the grapes were pressed to make wine. Gideon was there because he was hiding 
from the Midianites. And that was when the angel of the Lord came. Gideon replied, Stranger, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all those miracles our ancestors have told us about, such as when God brought them up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has thrown us away. He has let the Midianites completely ruin us. Then the angel of the Lord turned to him and spoke to him and said, I will make you strong. Go. Go and save Israel from the Midianites, because I am sending you. But Gideon replied, Sir, how can I save Israel? My family is the poorest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least thought of in all of my family. Then the angel of the Lord said to him, But I, Jehovah, I will be with you, and you will quickly destroy the Midianite hordes. Gideon replied, well, if that is really true, that you're going to help me like that, then do some miracle to prove it. Prove to me that this really is Jehovah who is talking to me this day. You know, sort of following a, a mini-series some months ago, I was talking about not looking back, 
of learning from the past but not dwelling on it. And then I shared about looking inward. Are we growing in God? Are we moving on in our Christian journey or are we suffering from inertia? And the last time I was here, I was talking about looking outward. Are we those who take the good news of the gospel to our neighbours, family and community? This morning, uh, the title uh, of what I want to share is Look Beyond. Look beyond. Now, for those who aren't familiar with the book of Judges, it follows on from Moses and Joshua. Moses had brought uh, the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and led them through the wilderness, and Joshua had taken them over the river Jordan into the promised land. But Joshua had not subdued the land. The Israelites were surrounded by hostile people. At this time, Israel was not one nation, but a group of tribes, and the 12 judges mentioned in the book of Judges were local leaders commanding the loyalty of a group of tribes. The different judges, those 12 judges, were called by God to make certain decisions and take certain actions at certain times, particularly when the tribe of Israel and the tribes of Israel were under threat. But overall, God wanted the Israelites at this time as individuals to live by the Ten Commandments and have a direct day-to-day -day relationship with him which is confirmed in the first verse of Judges 1. It says, after Joshua died, the people of Israel went to the Lord to receive his instructions. I wonder this morning where you'll receive your instructions from, whether you go to the Lord daily and seek him and ask for his advice. Or do you go on social media? And take it from there. God wanted the people of God to come directly to him so he could advise and lead them. But the problem was this. This second generation of Israelites did not really want to partner with God. And therefore, throughout the book of Judges, we hear the refrain, and everyone did what was right in their own sight. Or everyone did as they saw fit, or as the message translation puts it, everyone did whatever they felt like doing. Everybody was doing their own thing. But in some, the book of Judges is an example of divine strength working through weak people. I don't know if you're a weak person here this morning, if you're feeling not very strong, not very with it. <laughs> Haven't got much to offer. Then God is the divine strength who can work through those who feel weak. <laughs> to put our reading in context, Israel had enjoyed peace for 40 years. 
But now the Midianites were cruelly oppressing the Israelites and taking all the food. It was a desperate situation. So Gideon is alone, under pressure, hidden away and trying to survive. And he's also consumed by the present, the immediate, the current, because he faces three enemies. Firstly, he faces the enemy around him. Israel is controlled by the Midianites. It is they who call the shots. It is the Midianites who are imposing their will on the people. You know, we live in a nation where those who stand up for their Christian beliefs now run the risk of being sacked from their jobs, <coughs> ostracised by the media, or taken to court. A nation where many in power or celebrities or wealthy organisations use their platform to promote atheistic or humanistic views. A nation where often the culture is hostile to the things of God. Gideon was surrounded by enemies and was under pressure. We too as a nation, as, a, as Christians, are surrounded <coughs> by those who are hostile to the things of God. Secondly, Gideon faced the enemy behind him. Gideon is a Jew, one of God's chosen people, a chosen people that God had cherished and loved, and yet Gideon's father, Joash, had built an altar to the God of the Canaanites. The people no longer worshipped the one true God, but rather bowed down to false gods in the hope they would provide peace and protection. Gideon's friends and family were there in the background, coaxing him, cajoling him to turn his back on God, to go with the crowd, to accept compromise, to be squeezed into the world's mould. You know, we live at a time when parts of the Christian church have turned away from biblical truth where denominations have watered down commands of Jesus so they don't offend anybody. A time when some Christians have become so comfortable with their lifestyle they hardly realise they are worshipping other gods. Writer Nick Page comments, Today's society is awash with gods. We don't call them gods, but we worship at their shrines. There is the God of money, the God of consumerism, the God of celebrity, the God of status and success, the God of sex, and of course, Botox, the goddess <laughs> of eternal youth. But sometimes even good things can become gods. I've met people who have an unhealthy worship of their family and others who worship their business or their job. It's easy to create a false god. All you have to do is to put something on a pedestal and expect miracles from it. Ambition, sex, money and family relationships all have their place. 
but we need to check our desires have not become divinities and our gods have not replaced the one true God. A god or idol is defined as a personal or object given excess devotion that preoccupies our attention, time and thoughts and influences our behaviour, our attitudes and our perspectives on life. I wonder if you or I reviewed our lives today. What is it that consumes our attention or influences our behaviour? Is it things like Netflix or our smartphones or consumerism or the hundred and other thing, one hundred and one things? that are designed to distract us from growing in our relationship with God. Gideon faced the enemy around him. Gideon faced the enemy behind him. Gideon faced the enemy within him. Which showed itself in three particular ways. Firstly, Gideon was terrified. Grapes were normally trodden in a wine press, which was a square or circular pit carved into a rock, whereas wheat was usually threshed on open threshing floors where the wind could carry away the chaff. Threshing wheat requires a lot of space. No one would beat wheat until the edible grain is separated from the inedible chaff within the cramped confines of a wine press, but Gideon's fear had overridden his common sense. His feelings so dominated his actions, he was no longer rational. But God looks beyond Gideon's fear and says, Mighty soldier, the Lord is with you. I will make you strong. Go and save Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. I, Jehovah, will be with you. You know, is fear restraining or constraining you this morning from fully serving God? From sharing your faith with your friends or family or neighbours? from living in a way that others might disapprove of. I wonder if you've lost the boldness you once had, this anxiety about health or finance or relationships weighing you down. In Matthew 6, Jesus said to his disciples, my counsel is this, don't worry about food, or drink or clothes. Why be like the heathen? They take pride in all these things and are deeply concerned about them. Your heavenly Father already knows perfectly well that you need them and he will give them to you. If you give him first place in your life and live, as he wants you to. So don't be anxious <coughs> about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow too. Live one day 
at a time. The psalmist writes, God is our refuge and strength, a tested help in times of trouble. And so we need not fear even if the world blows up and the mountains crumble into the sea. Gideon was terrified. But secondly, Gideon considered himself unqualified. Gideon was from the tribe of Manasseh, which was called the other, uh, called by the other Israeli tribes, the half tribe, because only half the tribe had settled in the promised land on the east side of the Jordan. The other half of the tribe had chosen to settle on the west side of the Jordan because the land was fertile. Also, the tribe of Manasseh was not well thought of by the other Israeli tribes because it had not fully pressed in to the promised land as God had directed. And Gideon considered himself not only to be in a tribe that the other tribes looked down on, but part of a family and the least in that family. <clears throat> he had low self-esteem. I wonder what your self-esteem is like this morning. Do you feel put down, neglected, ignored, or unworthy? You know, throughout the Bible, God works out his purposes through those who consider themselves not up to the task. In fact, God prefers to use those who consider themselves unworthy and inadequate. Someone once said, God uses the unlikely to achieve the impossible. I like that. Mm -hmm. God uses the unlikely to achieve the impossible. Is that you this morning? Is that me this morning? Do you feel unlikely? unlikely person, a person of no consequence like Gideon. Don't let your own low self-esteem or low sense of worth be a barrier. Give to God the little you feel you have and allow him to do what he wants. You know, God looks beyond Gideon's lack of qualification and reminds him that what matters the most is not the qualifications of the messenger, but the resources of the master. Thirdly, Gideon has doubts as he faces this enemy within him. Gideon has doubts. Gideon knew the history of Israel. He'd heard of the miracles his forebears had experienced. He was aware that the God of Israel was faithful, trustworthy, forgiving. He understood that under previous judges, time and time again, Israel had defeated their enemies. But now he asks two questions. Firstly, if the Lord is with us, why has this happened to us? I suspect some of you in your lives could look back 
at situations or perhaps situations you're currently facing and said to yourself, I'm a Christian, why is this happening to me? That's a valid question. And Gideon asked it. <coughs> and secondly, he says to the angel of the Lord, can I have a sign to prove this is true? I wonder whether, like Gideon, your trust in God has, for whatever reason, sunk to an all-time low. The good news is this, God looks beyond Gideon's doubts and encourages him to grow in faith. You know, sin is not, doubt is not a sin. The disciples doubted but we are to place our doubts in the hands of the one who knows we are but dust and trust him to carry us through. Gideon's greatest strength was his weakness. And once he'd confessed his weaknesses and allowed God to open his eyes, to see the possibilities, to see his potential, to see God's power, to look beyond the current, the present, the immediate. Gideon could then step up and step out. He was ready to fulfil all that God had planned for him. In Mark 1, we read these words. One day Jesus was walking along the shores of the Sea of Galilee and he saw Simon and his brother Andrew fishing with nets for they were commercial fishermen. And Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and went along with him. Jesus' call to his disciples 2,000 years ago was follow me. Come where I'm going. Step out in faith. Get out of the boat. The call of Jesus to you and I this morning is this. Are you coming? Are you coming? Are you willing to walk on the water of faith? Are you ready to give me your heart? we've just been singing. Are you ready to allow me to take your life and lead me on? In 2 Kings 6, we are told the story of Elisha and his servant, the king of Syria was at war with Israel and several times Elisha the prophet told the king of Israel where the Syrians were going to attack. And when the Syrian king discovered that Elijah the prophet was the problem, he sent a mighty army at night to destroy Elisha. When the servant got up uh, the next morning, he went outside and there were troops and horses and chariots completely surrounding the house. 
And turning to Elisha, the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha replied, Don't be afraid, for our army is bigger than theirs. And then he prayed, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And as the Lord opened the servant's eyes so he could see God's horses of fire and chariots of fire on the mountains surrounding them, it was God who defeated the Syrian army. I wonder if you've got a God's eye view of what's going on in these days as a Christian. How do we gain a God's eye view of what's going on today as a Christian? Firstly, through prayer, as with Elisha. Paul writes to Colossians, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. The word watchful is a throwback of the Old Testament practice of standing on a city wall and keeping watch. Watchmen were the first to see what was coming. They saw what no one else saw, and they saw it sooner, which is what happens when we pray. We see what nobody else sees, and we see it sooner, because prayer enhances the awareness which allows us to perceive spiritual realities. Do you want to know what? going to happen in the future, in the days ahead, you need to pray, to ask God to open your eyes, your spiritual eyes, to see what he's doing, to see where he's going, to see what he's about. But we can also gain a God's eye view by allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal things to us. Paul writes to the Corinthians, no man has seen or heard or even imagined what wonderful things God has ready for those who love the Lord. But we know about these things because God has sent his spirit to tell us and his spirit searches out and shows us all of God's deepest secrets. Now the Holy Spirit compensates for our sensory limits by enabling us to conceive things we cannot perceive with our five senses. We can think of the Holy Spirit as a sixth sense. Of course, it must be matured and finely tuned by meditating on the scriptures and taking time to spiritually listen. But as we are awakened by the Holy Spirit, so we begin to see what God is doing around us. I don't know what your situation is here this morning, but I do know that God wants you to look beyond your fears, your lack of qualification your doubt, 
see God for who he is and allow him to deal with those enemies, whatever or whoever those enemies are for you. Those enemies that have overwhelmed, undermined, incapacitated you in the past, in the present, and will do, will continue to feed you in the future unless you say, Yes, to God. We need to be praying for God to open our eyes to see where we fit into his plans so that in the power of the Holy Spirit we can fit in with him and fulfil our calling. people who look beyond where we're at, see where God is, see where God is going, and see how we fit in, in Jesus' name. Let's just pray. Oh, we thank you that for many here this morning we have come to the foot of the cross and we have laid our lives down for you. And Father, we want to go on serving you being faithful to you, being useful in your service. But Lord, we know that like Gideon, we face enemies in our daily lives. And Father, sometimes it's hard to push through, hard to overcome those enemies, and they prevent us from being what we should be in you. So Father, we pray that you'll give us a bigger vision of yourself. <coughs> you will open our eyes to see that whatever situation we are in, you are bigger. And that you are there to help and to strengthen us, to encourage us to look beyond our doubts, our fear, and our lack of qualifications. To take us as we are, and to use us more fully to serve you. In Jesus' name.